This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show my partner in power for the first hour here on Thrive Thursday, the one and only Aries Spears. What's happening, mama? What's going on? Hey, what's happening? Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. I can hear you perfectly. Can you see me? So I can see you perfectly. I see okay. you and I hear you. All right. Now tell me, how are you COVIDing? How are you COVIDing? What is, what is your COVIDing experience? We haven't talked since COVID. Um, well, that sounds like a two-part question. Is, is one meaning how am I doing in terms of work or how am I coping at home? Both. Well, let's start with the home front because I know that you have been you were working on yourself last time we we chatted. You were you were getting everything together, your physique. You were d- d- dealing with right. your mental. You were doing all of this stuff, and then COVID hit. And I'm like, what? so I'm checking in on you for period, you know, time to time. You right. look good. What have you been I'm doing? I, I, I um, when I'm not working, uh, I'm, I'm seeing this great dermatologist for the first time. I got me a two hundred dollar facial. Uh, so. There's that. And I felt like when I was done, I was supposed to walk out with a little pocketbook with a dog in it. Uh, so now I know what that rich white female <laughs> life feel like. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to cope like everybody else. You know, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's hitting morale pretty hard from a work standpoint, uh, because, you know, with social distancing and clubs not being able to do max capacity and uh, it's affecting my wallet. So, you know, it's unfortunate we got to go through this, but it's better to work and make something than to not work at all and make nothing. Now, a couple of things um, happened during this uh, last four or five months of COVID. Uh, Dave Chappelle had an outdoor live comedy special and put it up on, on Netflix. And D.L. Hughley was in a club and actually passed out and tested positive for COVID. Right. Those two things happen yes. as as a working comedian. Have you been in a studio in in that kind of setting that you know inside of a club? And are you you know what is that what is that like? And have you th- thought about doing an outdoor type of thing like what Dave Chappelle did? I'm not a fan of the outdoor thing because it feels like a festival, and it and I've done outdoor shows and people get too relaxed. They take their shoes and their socks off. They sit Indian style on the grass. And I, and I need you not to be lazy hearing me the same way you need me not to be lazy giving these jokes. So if you're too lazy and you're too comfortable, then we don't receive each other well. Um, by all means, I want people to be safe and feel safe, but this comedy thing is an intimate exercise. I got to see your face. I got to see your teeth. You got to need to see my face. So I prefer condomless comedy. You liked it raw. Okay, I hear you. Uh, so so how has your comedy us. changed? Nothing in between. I feel I feel what you're saying, and I receive it, Aries Spears. So what has changed in your comedy delivery? Because you're, you're, you're an impressionist. You're, you're really good at that. But your comedy is real heady because you, you, you bring a lot to the table, both intellectually and, and emotionally. So, so what has changed in, in the joke telling? Nothing has really changed as far as that goes. I mean, I've always said this. Uh, I'm very Floridian in my comedy, which is to say I stand my ground. I'm 45 years old, and I come from an era 
where, you know, I'm an 80s baby. I was born in 75. So, you know, uh, my dad introduced me to Richard Pryor. And then, of course, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock. I grew up on them cats, George Carlin. So I'm too old school and stuck in my ways to change the recipe. If the gumbo recipe is banging, then there's no need to change the recipe. Um, And I try not to be a preachy comedian, but like Dave Chappelle and that special you talked about where he talked about George Floyd for uh, six minutes. Um, I I do like to try to make sure that certain things get said that I feel like we as a community need to hear. And by that, I mean I'm really questioning my people on stage, and and I specifically say I'm talking to black people when I ask the question, when did it become popular to publicly throw Barack under the bus? When did it become popular for all of us on such a main, on a high level to say he didn't do shit for black people? So then I, I probably take five or six minutes to really dig into my own people's asses and let those who say that dumb shit know that we need to be better than that. We need to be smarter than that. We need to realize what we're up against and remind you about what this country is and what it does. So the last thing we need to do, whether you agree that he did something for black people or not, whether you like him or not, the last thing we need to do is to shame him publicly. I personally, and I don't know if I've walked down this path with you, but I've personally said over and over, I think he did a hell of a job. You know, uh, given the, the, the history of this country, given everything that he was up against, given, given a Congress that was totally against anything he tried to pass, Mitch McCullough, Mitch McConnell, I always get them two them white, white dudes mixed up, but specifically said, we on the right will never pass anything he tries to do. There is a racial overtone to that. How do we not see that? How are some of us playing that naive? And he was the president of the, cult, of the country, not the culture. Had he, just been, had, he, had he just tried to be the president of the culture, that would not have been presidential. And the man did a good job. He carried the position with dignity, grace. He's a Harvard scholar, one of the smartest presidents we've ever had. When did we as black people get so comfortable that we are denouncing that kind of cultural symbolism, that kind of important Mm. uh, uh, symbolism? And just like white folks have always stuck together and stand by their own, you know, and, and, you know, to the white listeners, I love white folks. I've always said one thing black people know about white people is that not all white people are racist, but as a race, they're known for racism. And I know that white people have fought the fight with us. They've bled with us. They've gotten arrested with us, died with us, went to jail with us, uh, even helped some, some niggas to freedom back in slavery. So I'm not talking to all white people, but systematically, Things have been put in place to protect one another. It's the reason Emmett Till's killers got off. It's the reason the four little black girls that died in the church bombing in in Alabama in the 60s got off. It's the reason Mega Evers' killer was never brought to justice till he was 80. It's the reason why cops kill us and get off. All those right-wing white men acquitted Donald Trump of treason and betraying the country and colluding with Russia. So if they can stand behind their own, Black people, why the fuck can't we stand behind our own, despite what you think Obama did or didn't do? And you mean to tell me out of all his accomplishments, black people didn't benefit from none of that? Please tell me, black folks, we are not that naive. 
I'm not doing that. I'm not throwing Barack under the bus. I will not. And I even it even disappoints me when I hear black women shit on Michelle. I, I fight with black women, a lot of black women all the time on social media. So what? She ain't do nothing. So what? Like, our black girls have always been born and bred to believe their skin was a sin. Look at you with your nappy hair and your big lips and your wide nose. You ain't beautiful. And here's Michelle Obama, first lady, eloquent, sophisticated, intelligent, classy. If there are black girls all over this country that are feeling low self-esteem due to self-worth or suicidal because of those features, and Obama, Michelle serves as a beacon of hope to help lift their self-esteem or not commit suicide or strive to be the next first lady or the first black female president. Is that what we're doing? We're denouncing that? We got to be better than that. And that's as preachy as I get. It's not preachy. These are facts. This is truth. This is Ari Spears, by the way. Um, does that same energy flow over to Kamala Harris, who's just been made history, actually, as the first black woman, first Asian woman to be on a, on a major ticket? And this feeds exactly into what I'm saying. D.L. Hewley sent out a post where he said, don't be so woke that you're willing to tear a black woman down in exchange to keeping in office a narcissistic asshole racist. And I reposted it. And I said again, we had a first black lady. We got a chance for a first black female VP. Only thing left on the checklist is a first female black president. And here it comes. All the black folks, she ain't black. And I know supposedly, I guess she was for sending black men to jail or something like that. She had a history of, of, uh, of, doing some things that saw a lot of black men go to prison. Now, yeah, that kind she of was a prosecutor. That way, that was her job to send people to jail as a prosecutor. I'm not, I'm not litigating, but she was a prosecutor. That is the job of and, a prosecutor. And, and say, well, go ahead, say, Aries. But I'm going to be honest. Listen, I'm not a real political savvy dude like D.L. Hewley. And D.L. Hewley has been on real time with Bill Maher a lot. And I've always tell D.L., man, I, I tip my hat to you, brother. Because that's something I just don't do well. I can't always articulate because I don't have the knowledge on politics that you have. So when people say that about Kamala Harris, a part of me is like, oh, damn. But I didn't know what you just said. And, and the whole, well, you know, she's not black. Her father's Jamaican. Like, and, and, but, but the fact that our people are so quick and have been trained to just denounce each other and tear each other down. When will something be good enough? Are we, are we really not looking past the fact that, look, we could make history again. This is important. And, 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 and whatever, whatever, whatever mistakes Joe Biden may have made, I know he's been, look, what white man in politics doesn't have a racial, racist background? <laughs> and, and given his age from his era, he's an old white man. He going to slip up and say some dumb shit from time to time. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. He going to make them mistakes. But if, if putting Kamala Harris on the ticket with a chance to be the first female black vice president, that's a hell of an apology. 
I'll take that. Black people, we are our worst enemy. We are a blessing and a curse to each other. When it comes to creative arts, singing, dancing, rapping, basketball, playing, athletics, uh, and things that we've done that have nothing to do with athletics. You know, things that you don't learn in, in school in regards to black history. All the contributions we have made that have nothing to do with athletics or entertainment. We are so vast and so colorful, and we're trendsetters, and, and we're the heartbeat and the pulse of America. In terms of everything cool, everyone steals from us. That's the blessing. The curse is so many of us are still trapped into slave thinking and slave behavior because that kind of mentality is generational. It's passed down. So we got to learn to break generational curses. So again, when I hear black people go, what did Obama do for us? And so many people, and by people, I'm talking about white folks for a second, will give Trump that credit. What he did with the economy, more jobs, and just like she said, and this is a fact, this ain't fake news, he inherited off of Obama's success. And again, Obama did so many things that he inherited and that Trump has tried to tear down to destroy his legacy. Obama's legacy is our legacy. His history is our history. So again, even if you didn't think he did a damn thing, he put us in the history books when he won. That can never be changed, erased, taken away. His victory was our victory. So besides the fact that he won, he did all that other shit. So I'm not going to denounce that. I just, that that's insane to me. It's insane to me that black people don't see that and understand how important that is. Well, we are, we, if, we if are Obama had been, happened. if Obama had been the black version of Donald Trump, grab him by the pussy, <laughs> jokes about their menstrual cycles, white folks would have hung that nigga on the White House lawn. So come on, man. There's something to be said for class, poise, excellence, intelligence. Come on, man. Let's not do that. And for those of you clutching your pearls at Aries uh, saying the N-word, we've had this conversation before. Uh, I'm definitely not going to say anything to him because we've had off mic on mic. That's how he expresses himself. I'm I'm here for it. That's my girl. Go ahead. I got to ask you real quick. The last time I was there in studio, what's the name of the lovely lady with that laugh? Who, Sylvia? Sylvia. Cousin Sylvia. Sylvia K. Austin. She she has her own show on Sunday called Next Nation on this channel. Yeah. I love her laugh. That laugh was amazing. Yes. Oh. Yes, it is. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And you were doing Paul, you were doing Paul Mooney. Yeah, no, it was, it was was everything. Losing it. Yes. Well, yeah, you, you know, you, you, you did, you did do that. So you don't you're you're not practicing a Kanye West, which I'm I'm not mad at. I'm not mad at that not being one of your impressions. Uh, he might get arrested for voter fraud. So apparently, you know, he's running for president, which I thought was an album release gimmick. Uh, but apparently, he's been working with Jared Kushner and some others to get on the ballot in several states to be the spoiler, to be the Jill Stein candidate, to be the Ralph Nader guy, I guess. Uh, so two states have determined that the majority of the signatures, because you have to have a num- certain number of signatures to get on the ballot, are, have rendered his ba- ballot invalid. They have uh, seen that Kanye actually forged 
a number of signatures. Uh, he was 1,300 signatures short uh, in his own home state of Illinois. Uh, you need 2,500 signatures, and half the signatures on there were uh, for it. So he's looking at a and, – and it carries a two-year sentence. I don't know if they're going to pursue it. Uh, and he accused the Democrats of snooping on him. Uh, but, yeah, it's like framing a guilty man, I guess. Uh, what do you think of Kanye's run for president? You know, uh, I'm convinced, uh, and maybe because I'm just not there yet financially, but I'm convinced that when you make a certain amount of money, it just, something clicks, something disconnects, and you just start slipping into a crazy direction that's unexplainable to me. Um, yeah, I, I don't Oprah know how to, Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Aries. Oprah way richer than Kanye West. She's doing this whole billboard now to go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to, she's doing this billboard highlighting Breonna Taylor's murder and that the police haven't been arrested yet. She's been doing a lot of vote, you know, voter registration. She was the, I think the, the cap for Barack Obama, when she came out for Barack Obama, all the white women were like, okay, because Oprah actually appeals to them. Right. So she, you know, she's not crazy. I think, I think Oprah, she had a moment where she was slipping. Her, her car started veering off into Coonville, and I think enough black people checked her <laughs> that she turned that car around. But she was starting to slip, you know, and then somebody pulled okay. her back in. Robert Smith, Smith III, who's richer than she is, he's been talking about reparations. He's out there giving money and, and forgiving debt of, of Morehouse grads. He got way more money than Kanye. Well, you know what? It, and again, I'm glad I'm glad we on XM Sirius. That it must be something in that uh, Kardashian pussy juice uh, that makes men trip. Because <laughs> every man that's ever been with a Kardashian done tripped. Smiz, no sound effects. Come on, Smiz. All right, eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Okay. All right. He said he said he can't time it because I'm on a delay. All right. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Roy Jones. They were scheduled to fight. Um, September 12th. It's been pushed back to November 28th. Uh, I don't think Roy Jones should get in the ring with Mike Tyson. I think that that is, um, Roy was already, he got knocked out by some guy. I think a rooster knocked him out last time he was fighting. I don't think Roy should be getting in the, have you seen Mike Tyson recently? Let me tell you something. I am a boxing fanatic. Um, and I, I, listen, I, I, when I say I know Roy Jones, I know him because uh, way back when, when I was going through some of my issues on social media, asking for help in terms of my weight and getting in shape, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know Roy Jones knew me and was a fan of mine. So he actually reached out to me personally to help me with that. So I called Roy up and I was like, I was, I was, you know, kind of, what's that word? I was, I was conflicted. I was like, I want to call Roy and be like, brother, don't do this. But at the same time, I wanted to go, can you give me tickets? You know what I mean? So I, I want to see the fight, <laughs> but I, I do care about the man's well-being. Anybody that's ever watched boxing and knows boxing knows, listen, when Roy Jones was in his prime, he was untouchable. What we learned when Father Time caught up to him is he don't have a chin. All of Roy's knockouts have been one hit of quitters. All of Mike Tyson's losses, you have to beat Mike up. Mike can take a punch. You don't knock Mike out with one punch. It's a, an accumulation of punches. So, one, 
there's a weight difference, there's a chin difference, there's a speed difference, there's a power difference. None of this is in Roy Jones's favor. I'm wondering why he is doing this. And I actually talked to comedian Russell Peters. Well, he got money, I think, right? Unless he blew it all. But, um, and even Russell Peters said to Mike, hey, Mike, man, what's going on? Why, why is he doing this? Mike was like, I don't know why he's doing it, but when it's over, he's going to be able to afford the best wheelchair ever. The most expensive wheelchair ever. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, it's about to be, a, it's, 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 a, it's a Fiat going head on against a, 18 wheel a truck. Yeah, I listen. In in his prime, I wouldn't have liked to see him get in the ring with Mike Tyson, but Mike seems to have turned a corner. I just finished watching the whole Ip Man series, parts one, two, three, and four in The Legend of Ip Man. And Mike Tyson's in part three of Ip Man, which is on Netflix, when he was fat, fight fat Mike Tyson. Still right. formidable. Mike is now right. fit. He is 50 and fit. He is as fit as he's been and quick and tight. And I'm like, Mike Tyson's right in the mind, right? I'm like, what the the hell would, yeah. That's the key. Listen, and again, I I get into these debates with people on social media and anybody, I don't know how, you know, in-depth you are with boxing, but Mike's last couple losses were to guys named Kevin McBride and Danny Williamson, two bums. Two dudes he would have never lost to in his prime. So people go, well, Father Time got to Mike, too, because look who he lost to. No, 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 no. Mike wasn't right up here. And Mike even said after the fight, you know, uh, my heart's not in it no more. I'm only doing it for the money. I should never, no disrespect to these guys, but there's no way I should lose to these caliber of fighters. I don't want to disrespect the sport, so I'm getting out. Mike never took so much abuse as a fighter coming up, that Father Time just said, time to go. Mike just wasn't right up here. The scary thing to me is, this is right now. Forget the fact that, yeah, his body looks great. At 50, he's still super fast. The power's still there. But his mind is right. I think a, a focused Mike Tyson could beat Jesus. I really do. I was going to say, I want to see him fight Tyson Fury. I want to see him. What, I want to see him fight Deontay at. Wilder because Deontay Wilder was talking shit. Yeah, that too. And let him wear that heavy ass suit that he wore against Tyson Fury and get his ass whooped by Mike Tyson. That's let the fight I want to see. And I think Tyson. Me, I'm sorry, baby. I'm just passionate. Let me tell you this. No. How great would it be? And, I, and this is why I love Mike Tyson so much because, yes, a lot of what he did was his own fault. So you got to, you know, sleep in the bed that you made. But a lot of people took advantage of him. And his trainer, Customato, once told him, you are going to deal with a lot of people who are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, and you're not smart enough to understand the difference. And because of that, lack of education and growing up with the right people, a lot of people took advantage of Mike. So my heart bleeds for Mike. How great would it be for his career to come full circle because he made history when he was the youngest heavyweight champ ever. To be the oldest heavyweight champ ever will mean he, he came full circle. That would be beautiful. Mwah. Go at it. Nasty. Oh. 
I would love that. I would love that. Let's go to the phones because I rarely get a chance to sit and chop it up with Aries one-on-one, and I know folk want to talk to you because every line is lit. Let's go to the phones. I won't even give out the number. Let's just start with uh, Kevin in Michigan. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thanks a lot. Hey, Aries. What's happening, baby? Um, I'm just wondering, like, you said something along the lines of, you know, all white race, uh, all white politicians have a racist background. And yeah. Bernie Sanders is a politician. Do you think that he and his crew and others, possibly Kennedy's, whatnot, don't include I'm the sure, I'm sure when the lights is off and the doors are closed and ain't nobody at the cocktail, all white linen cocktail party, but them, the word nigger's been said. And let me go one step further, Aries, because uh, we have a Kennedy coming on. Joseph Kennedy the third will be joining us in the four o'clock hour. Joe Kennedy the third. Uh, I, I think Bernie Sanders, when the lights are on in public, I, the biggest problem I had with him in 2016 and in this uh, recent election uh, run is that he's always talking down to black people when he when his black agenda is always about incarceration and poverty when most black people have never been to jail and most people, most black people, 74% of us are not impoverished. If your agenda is only about incarceration and poverty as it relates to black people, you really don't see us. And you're in a state where you have 1%, less than 1% of your populace, the people that vote for you are black. So yeah, you might've marched with King, you might've got arrested and all those other checklist things, but do you see us? And when you're challenged, because I talked to Nina, Nina Turner about it, I talked to Simone D. Sanders when she was in his camp, tell him to stop doing that. Come to the table and talk to black people like you got some damn sense and talk about the things like education, the disparity in health care. Why don't you listen to black people when we say we're in pain in the medical field? We're looking at COVID-19. More of us are dying three times more. Where's your agenda for that? Reparations. Yeah, let's, yeah that might be on your, on your plate. But you don't really see black people except through the lens of poverty and, and, and through prison. And that's not who we are collectively. And, and Kevin, let me, let me remind you that while uh, Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, he was recorded and documented for saying nigga like it was saying good morning. So, you know, just because you do for us, right, just because you do for us don't mean you, not, you, don't, you don't, you know, take part in that kind of behavior. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it, it always is funny to me because everything you'll ever read from the right is black people are stuck on the Democratic plantation. You know, the Dems invented the KKK as though somehow the right has been exempt from slavery, from racist people in positions of power, judges, lawyers, politicians, like, 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 uh, uh, you know, they bring up Lincoln as the greatest Republican of all time. The only reason why Lincoln freed slaves was to save the Union, not because he had a love for black folks. He even was quoted as saying he thought black people were second-class citizens and we shouldn't be treated as equals. It was a business decision. So don't try to validate one racism over the other like one is not the, the other. One is like real racism and the other is diet racism. Like sodas. Racism is racism. All right. Thank you for your call, uh, Kevin. Uh, let's go to Joseph in California. You're on. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Aries Spears is here. Queen Queen Karen, K- King Aries, it's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Karen, you know, I, hey, how you, it's how one you of the doing, things King? I love. How you doing, King? Oh, you, you, we, 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 you, 
you feel it, you feel y'all feel in my spirit. This is what I love about Karen's show. She, you know, Karen spits that fire, and her guests spit that fire. You know, so um, I'm just I'm just loving it and soaking it all up. Karen, you know, I just wanted to speak quickly on the whole uh, this Kanye. I'm angry at, at, at this whole Kanye West thing, and you know, this, him and brothers like uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, you know, and Larry Elder, they they remind me. There's a quote from the movie Blood and Bone, if you've ever seen that movie. And there's a, a, a African-American actor. He wants to sit at the table of these rich uh, upper echelon white guys. And in the quote, the white guy says this, Why does a cool, mellow fellow like yourself want to sit at the table of a bunch of stuffy old white guys? You are African-American, and me and my friends don't care for the company of African-Americans. Quite frankly, we're entertained by you. We're thrilled by your high-flying acrobatics on the basketball court, that animal athleticism you have, that wonderful sense of rhythm. But apart from that, we have no use for you. Now, let's face it, James. Do you set a place at your dinner table for your pit bulls? And, Karen, that is exactly what the Donald Trumps of the world feel about the Kanye West and the Michael Jordans. You know, as long as you can make money for them, you're their pit bulls. But the minute you you don't you do not make any more money for them, you are about as valuable to them as the racehorses they send to the kennel who can't win anymore. That's all I got. Well, it was a lot, uh, and I appreciate you. I'm gonna throw some names out there because he mentioned one of them: Larry Elders, Paris Denard, Armorosa, Diamond and Silk, Stacy Dash, Terrence K. Williams, Sheriff Clark. Pastor Mark Burns, the Hodge twins, Herman Cain. Do you know what they all got in common? They part of the coon camp. I, I mean, I just, they, well, I, if there was a well, camp, let's say that's them. Her- Herman Cain, rest in uh, something, rest in peace. Uh, he's still tweeting, by the way. There were tweets out on Herman Cain's account today, uh, trashing Biden and Harris. You know, he died uh, after going to a Trump rally. Uh, caught COVID-19 and passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if they're still tweeting from his account, though, Herman Cain's account, which is, I think, really diabolical and evil. They were tweeting while he was dying right. from his account, negative stuff about right. Biden. It's just really, I mean, but it speaks to the point that you're making. They are going to get behind their agenda no matter what. They're using a dead yeah. man's account to push an I mean, it's, it's actually admirable. And, and it begs the question, like, why aren't we that astute to, to figure out that this is all a game? It's not emotional. We, we get in our feelings about things. Well, I think we get in our feelings about things because, you know, our lives are invested in this. You know, our children's futures are invested in this. So to some degree, we have to take it personal. Um, you know, you look at the numbers on COVID. You know, again, Trump tried to dismantle the very team. Obama had in place to handle this. Uh, his lackadaisical, yeah, his lackadaisical attitude and execution of this is the reason why, for all of Trump's rhetoric about, you know, make America great again, you can, we're going to get so tired of winning. Yeah, well, we're number one. We're number one in deaths, and we're number one in cases. So, yeah, we're number one. Thanks, Trump. You know, and, and here's a guy like Herman Cain, who was told by his by his leader not to wear masks. You know, this is a hoax. Now where is he? 
So come on, man. You gotta take. You gotta. You gotta take this personal. How do, how do you think this race thing? And and the brother brought up something, you know, uh, which I thought was powerful. And I got to check out that film. You know, you, your your comedy hasn't changed, but I think America has changed permanently. But I also think there's going to be a pendulum swing where white people are going to get tired of hearing about Black Lives Matter, defunding police, all it is as as COVID-19 is not going away anytime soon because there really isn't a vaccine. And people are going to become become more desperate as the job marketplace is going to be more bleak. People are going to lose their home. Like things are going to happen over the next couple of months that I don't think we're prepared for. And racially, I think there's going to be a clash that we haven't seen recently. What do you think? You know, it, it's, it's a scary thought because uh, my, my podcast partner and I, Andy Steinberg, have actually had that conversation specifically uh, because, you know, you always hear some of the rhetoric from racist white folks, you know, the ones that live in the hills and the ones that carry them guns in the mountains, you know, it's going to be a race war. It's going to be a race war. And your instinct is to go, man, they just talking shit. But with everything you just mentioned, I'm afraid that there's going to be anarchy. Things are going to get worse before they get better because we're just headed in that direction. And the part that scares me is, if there is anarchy and if there is this so-called race war, you know, at some point, you know, the cops got to get involved to restore order. But then those cops can easily blend in to what they've always been. You know, the difference between a, a militia with a gun and a cop with a gun, a racist cop with a gun, is just a uniform. But if they're supposed to, supposedly restoring law and order, but while they're restoring law and order... A racist cop goes, let me kill half a dozen niggas while I'm at it. And just chalk it up to, they were victims of this anarchy. That's scary. That's scary. Because now they have a legitimate reason to point their guns at us. In the name of law and order. So that that scares me. 866-801-8255. Aries Spears is here. Tell us about your podcast. When can we hear it? How often do you do it? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is my, my ploy to black people. Uh, if you love Karen Hunter and you love anything about me and you can tell we go together like, uh, black sex in a velvet painting, uh, Uh you have, there you go. Uh, you have got to support me people. I am trying to reach Joe Rogan like numbers. This dude got paid a hundred million dollars from Spotify because of the popularity of his podcast. And if there's ever a time for black people to show unity, to help each other, this is it. I don't know how many listeners you got, Karen, but to everybody listening to this, I am begging you, please DM me in my Instagram under Aries Spears, blue verification check mark so you know it's me, and I will send you the links to the Spears and Steinberg podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, whatever it is. You can get it there, or you can hit me up personally in Instagram, my DM, Aries Spears, and I will send you the link. All right, all right. Let's go to Alex in Jersey. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. How you doing? Great, thanks. Um, I'm going to be really honest. I voted for Trump last time, and it was the reason why was because of when Comey came out with the whole Hillary thing at the last second. And it swayed me. And I'm super embarrassed I did it 
because I had no idea that he'd be peddling these conspiracy theories outright, like if it's normal. But um, I have a genuine concern, and I wanted to call in to ask. Yesterday, when I heard Biden speak, it was so nice, and it was the tone was friendly, um, made it seem like we're all in this together. But when you saw the primaries, you saw a lot of anger, and I'm Hispanic. But I'm a white Hispanic, so I, I get it. I can blend in a lot easier than others. But <laughs> I, for the record, for the, record, the black brother, community, brother, do you hey, think brother, the black brother, community brother, is going to wait till things get brother, better? Uh, hold up, brother. For the Alex, record, hold on. Uh, I, I wanted to let you know. I I, I knew you was Hispanic, uh, so you're not really blending in uh, because I can hear the draw in some of your delivery as you talk. I hear the Hispanic. I hear the rhythm in which you're speaking. So you're not really blending in, but I'm going to let you finish your statement, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead. No, no problem. What I, I guess the only fear, like let's say we've been lucky. We, we do well. We live in a nice area, and we want, we want things to improve for everyone, but we want it to be done in according to the economy improving over time because right now the economy is screwed. And what I got a feeling, like I listened today to some liberal outlets, and I heard Thomas Hartman and I heard Biden yesterday, it seemed that they're putting the economy first and foremost, which made me feel comfortable. And over time, they will correct a lot of things that are wrong. Um, do you feel the same way, or do you feel that it has to be done immediately as soon as he takes the presidency? Okay, Here's what I'm going to tell you. Hold on, I just want to just address this for the last, uh, let's say, Bush. Let's go back to Bush and Reagan. Trickle down didn't work. Then Bush one took over. Clinton was elected. Clinton two terms handed over a surplus. It was a large surplus when he handed over the uh, to Bush two. We got into the war in Iraq, which was a made up war. Nine eleven happened, of course, but those two wars, Afghanistan and Iraq, which we still haven't won, by the way, sent us into a deficit. Barack Obama was handed one of the worst economies in our history. 2007, auto industry saved, came with a stimulus package, passed health care, handed over the largest single most job creation in our history, consecutive to Trump, which is what he was riding on, unemployment, all-time low. Right now we've been printing money in COVID. The economy, we don't really even know what it is because they're not telling you how many dollars in circulation, which is a problem, right? The stock market is doing well because bankers are in the stock market. Rich people are in the stock market. They're getting richer, right? Most of us are not invested in the stock market. So we're not even benefiting on what's happening right now and that in the economy, whoever takes over, once again, a Democrat's going to have to say, so there's, you know, for, for the brother out there talking about, you know, uh, the economy, Please study history. Please talk to an economist. Over the last 30 years, the Democrats have been the ones to put the economy back together. So I'm just going to say that. And thank you for calling, Alex, and asking the, the very sober question. I'm sorry you voted for Trump, but go ahead, Aries. Go ahead. Let him know. So, so <clears throat> Alex, you said that basically a big part of you voted for Trump because of everything you had heard about Hillary. So you basically— No, it was the Comey. When Comey announced that— that she was being reinvestigated. I thought, oh, God, there's something okay. serious because it was a week before okay. the election. Okay, so she was being investigated to which nothing was really proven. So you were more concerned about the rumors of a woman 
than the facts of a man who was a racist, narcissist, and a sexist. I agree with you. No, and I'm guilty. And I will, and I want to say another thing. I agree with everything that she said about the economy. I I voted for Obama twice, but I always voted for Obama because, and I hate to say this, he wasn't ever talking about reparations. He wasn't ever talking. He made it seem like a whole inclusive America. So I'm a little worried. Like, and I understand that there's frustration, but can we at least get the economy going before we hit these other? And that's it. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. But thank you for listening. Let me, to me. Let me ask you this, Alex. Let me ask you this. So you knew Trump's stance on Latinos, Mexicans, rapists, murderers, kids in cages. He's not a Mexican. Wait, hold on. I'm a, I'm a guest. You're not a Mexican, Latino. are you? No. No, no, they, no, they don't see each other monolithically like that. The, the, the Puerto Ricans and, and Colombians and Dominicans do not get along. Mexicans and, like, oh, you're not a Mexican, are you, Alex? No, no, but we get along. That's not true. Okay, but for the sake of your fellow Latinos who, who you share Latino blood, Latino culture, you, you, you didn't right. see that as enough to make you go, Fuck Trump. Alex, are you there? I've never seen an FBI agent, head of the FBI, come in a week before the election. And I've never, I've never seen the country I've that way. So I, I put everything aside. I'll be honest with you. But if you're asking me, do I regret it? I do. I'm, Alex, I've never seen murder up close, but I know it exists. So... We we got to continue this conversation because we have to go to a hard break. But Alex, let me let me tell you, call back anytime. I want to continue this conversation down the line, and I and I like that he called in with the you know the recognition of yeah you know, it was a it was one of those kind of calls that we need to have more of because he's really trying to have a conversation, and it's important uh, that no, we no, talk to good. one another. That's good, absolutely, absolutely. And just so he knows, yes, we got to get the economy back in full swing. But black folks is due reparation, overdue. So that's part Facts. of it. That could be on the plate too. Yes, it can. We can do more. If we could just print money and give it out to people, we can definitely get reparations and put the economy back together. Apparently, we could just print money and put everything back together. Aries, I know you have to run. We have to go to a break. Let me thank you, brother, for coming in. I called you last minute. Can you come in? You said yes. We're going to check out your podcast, Spears and Steinberg. And y'all going to DM, DM him at Aries Spears on the Instagram. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thank you, baby. And you know, always just put the bat signal in the air and I'll meet you on the roof like Commissioner Gordon. I love it. I love it. 